All right, welcome back to the show. Good morning. This is the Gospel for Life. Regular folk around the table today, Pastor Jonathan Van Hoogen from Spring Reformed Church. Pastor, I just, I, we've only been doing the show for like four years. Five years. And I, yeah. <laughs> We don't do math either. Yeah, I know. Uh, and then Pastor Russ Herman. I'm from, from Cloverdale <laughs> United Reform. <laughs> That's Pastor Russ Herman. I'm Josh Bells from the Well Church. And then we do have a special guest host today with us, Pastor Tim Hazelbaker from Middleton First Baptist. That's it. See, that guy is right. Um, so we have been going through Paul Tripp's book, Do You Believe? It's a great little introduction to systematic theology. Um, tackling the like the two parts of theology that are really important: the actual doctrine and the application. Those are the two wings on the plane. If one of those wings is missing in your study, the plane goes down. You got to have both. That was a good analogy. I thought and you're doing good, there, Josh. <laughs> Great job. Can we Josh. can we congratulate yes, you please, on your yes, on your uh, illustration? That's right. Okay. Um, Josh is an individual <laughs> that is our fearless leader that we love dearly, and. He has what I would call a big affirmation tank. <laughs> That's right. And it's, so everybody needs their tank filled. That's and, right. and the reality is everybody has a different sized affirmation tank. And my tank is bigger than me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is difficult yeah, to imagine. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, all right. Well, with that introduction, uh, we have been talking about uh, God's sovereignty, and we're still kind of walking through um, – the, the definition of it. This is one of the... All of that banter actually relates oh, profoundly totally. to our topic I, because God <laughs> sovereignly ordained Josh, not only his stature, that's right. but the size of his affirmation that's tank. That's right. Absolutely. And he's not responsible for the evil of either one of them. No, exactly not. <laughs> um, so uh, this is one of those doctrines that really, um, I think, divide... Um, kind of the the reform part of evangelicalism with the, the non reform part of evangelicalism. I mean, all of us will affirm that God is sovereign. Um, I think what Sproul used to say is that the reform folk just apply it more consistently to everything. Um, that God is actually sovereign over every single thing. That He's not only King, but He's in control of everything. Well, as he would say, there's not a maverick molecule in all the universe. Uh, nothing operates apart from his control. That's right. I, I don't think I've ever looked at a, a systematic theology book that didn't affirm the sovereignty of God. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think across the board. From Reformed or non-Reformed authors. That's correct. Yep. That's correct. Well, and, but uh, what the, often happens is they mitigate um, against God's sovereignty with our responsibility as, as though we can put God in our debt. Right. Yep, and Romans eleven thirty five says, "Who has given a gift to him that he should be repaid?" Okay, so um, maybe a pastoral question, still dealing with the sovereignty of God. Does the existence of evil make the sovereignty of God hard to accept? I think this is one of the great struggles of of faith. Um, some have have talked about the existence of evil and said, "Well." If evil exists, then one of two things has to be true, that either God is not good or God is not all-powerful. Um, I, I don't think that that's actually where you have to, to land if you believe in the existence of God, which I can't imagine you wouldn't believe in the existence of God living in the world that we do. Um, but I, I understand why, why people gravitate towards, well, evil has to 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 say something about God that's that's a little bit unbecoming. 
questioning mm-hmm. his goodness, questioning his power. And oftentimes people then question his power, his sovereignty, um, because they, they would say, well, if God is all-powerful, why wouldn't he use that power to mitigate the evil in this world? Um, and, and you want to say he actually has used that power to mitigate the evil in this world mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, as uh, Jeremiah seventeen nine says, the heart is deceitful above all things and who could know it? I mean, we are not as bad as we could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, he ha- it, you know, and in fact, we, we see that in how he, you know, or orders the world and sustains it through his providence and, and government. But, you know, pain does uh, create that mystery. And that mystery is solved when we go back to the you know God's good creation, where He created um, you know Adam and Eve, you know not as sinful beings, but as someone who had the potential uh, to voluntarily to 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 work. Uh, you know, internally they had the power to sin. Yeah. Uh, externally, they were motivated to the uh, by. The devil. I remember that movie, uh, God's Not Dead, where the main character is Christian and he's debating against this atheistic professor. And they get to the question of the problem of evil. If there really is God, then because evil is present, then God must either be good uh, or God must either not be good or God must not be powerful. And the, the kind of Christian main character said, well, the problem is, is that there's free will. And I think that that um, answer uh, though it's correct, even the confession says that God does not um, offer violence to the the will of the creature. Yeah. I think that that answer is it falls woefully short of yeah. the biblical narrative. Yeah, our choices are voluntary and they're not coerced. Uh, you know, that's that's you know, in fact, actually, maybe it would be better to talk about voluntary will rather than free will. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Um. I think that that dilemma of being God is either good or God is um, God is either not good or God is either not powerful. It, it assumes that the concern of man is God's highest concern. Uh, we know what God's highest concern is. God's highest concern is His glory, um, and He deeply loves and cares for His creatures. But at the end of the day, the you know, Isaiah 48 says that, that um, for my sake, for my sake will I do it. For my name will not be profaned. I will not give my glory to another. God does ordain hard things in this world. Mm-hmm. And the aim of these hard things is the glorification of himself. And the most clear passage for this is Acts chapter 4, where Peter is praying and he says, Truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. So they were evil men coming against Christ Jesus, and then it says, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Ultimately, the problem of evil is reconciled in in the cross, that God did ordain the, the, the greatest evil that has ever took place, namely the crucifixion of the innocent Son of God um, for our good. And, and I think that's really how we can be consoled in the sovereignty of God, is Yes, has he ordained difficult things, uh, painful things, unspeakable things? Yes. But what else do we know about him? We know that he's good. We know that he sustains all things. We know that he's faithful. He doesn't break his word. We know that he poured out his wrath on Jesus as a substitute. We know that for those who are in Christ, we're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So if I'm, if somebody's asking me, well, how do I deal with God's sovereignty? I would say, well, if you're dealing with that on its own, 
mm-hmm. yeah, that would be, it'd be hard to swallow. But, but don't isolate sovereignty from everything else we know about God, especially as seen through the cross. That's right. The Puritans used to talk about dark providences. And that's just another way of saying that there are sometimes that we receive gifts from God that we would not have wanted and we would not have chosen. But in his goodness and graciousness as our perfect Heavenly Father, he has given those gifts to us, um, oftentimes in moments that are hard and in moments where we don't understand. Um, But then at those moments, as Tim is saying, we have to trust the goodness of our Heavenly Father, that the gift that he has given though undesirable maybe at first by us, is actually the best gift that he could have given, even if we never come to understand the why behind it. And that's not easy. I, I don't want to downplay that. I, I know that some of our listeners are probably going through some, some extremely hard moments um, that God has, has given dark providences um, that have hurt, yeah. has created pain for them, for you as a listener. And, and uh, we don't want to try to say here that, well, no, it really wasn't so bad. Well, sometimes it has been that bad. Yeah. And we don't understand the why behind it, but we do, we do want to encourage you to continue to trust in what, as Tim was saying, what you do know about God. And because of our union with Christ, um, there is a sense, and I, I don't want to stretch this too far, but there's a sense in which Jesus is suffering with us. In Acts chapter 9, when Jesus confronts Saul of Tarsus as he's going to persecute um, God's people, Jesus specifically says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Well, Jesus was already ascended to the right hand of God, but Jesus was identifying with his people because of his union with his people. And he was basically saying, when you're attacking your my people, you're attacking me. There's a sense in which Jesus is suffering with us and is able to console us um, in our sufferings. Can you can you find that place? I think it's in the Belgic where it talks specifically about the the providence of God and and um, I think it's like kind of the language of the the hair on our head. It's very kind of Matthew six ish. You know what I'm talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Do you mind if I jump in while he's doing that? Yeah, please. What you guys are saying reminds me of Jesus at the tomb of Lazarus. When he came to the tomb of Lazarus, he didn't tell Mary and Martha, hey, I'm sovereign, get over it. Right. He, he spent time weeping with them yeah. over the tomb of Lazarus, even though he knew he was going to raise him. Right. And um, J.C. Ryle, uh, you know, who's my favorite author, um, he talks about He's that. He's a baby baptizer, by the way. He is, yeah. Um, where was Sorry, it that he was talking about? No, no. Okay. He, he, in his book, Holiness, in the chapter, uh, Ruler of the Waves, he talks about how Jesus is both a feeling high priest and a powerful savior. That if you had one or the other, he, you know, well, I'm kind of getting too far off, but it's it's a consolation that he's not only sovereign, but that he's merciful and yeah. that he identifies with our pain and our weakness. Amen. Amen. I'm not sure. Um, I think it was the Belgic, wasn't it? It wasn't the Heidelberg. I don't know if you want the Belgic or the Heidelberg. I, I'm going to read both because okay. I think um, I think the Heidelberg might be better. But, it might be the Heidelberg that I was thinking of. Then. Um, so the Belgic will just say this. This doctrine, the providence of God, gives us unspeakable comfort since it teaches us that nothing can happen to us by chance but only by the arrangement of our gracious Heavenly Father. He watches over us with fatherly care, keeping all creatures under his control so that not one of the hairs on our head, for they are all numbered, nor even a little bird can fall to the ground Mm. without the will of our Father. But the Heidelberg says this, 
We can be patient. How does the knowledge of God's providence help us? We can be patient in adversity, thankful in prosperity, and for the future we can have a good confidence in our faithful God and Father that no creature will separate us from his love. For all creatures are so completely in his hand that without his will they can neither move nor be moved. Mm. And then the previous one says that all things, in fact, come to us, not by chance but by his fatherly hand. Mm. And it's the idea that nothing touches us in our life before it passes, as a child of God, that before it comes to us, passes through our father's hand. My wife and I, when we were in the stage of life where we were having kids, um, we had lost one of our children to a miscarriage at at, um, 16 weeks. And I remember our pastor at the time prayed this prayer um, in the congregational prayer he he was praying for us in the moment and and was say um, prayed knowing you are sovereign lord doesn't take away the pain but it does give us hope mm-hmm. and that line has stuck with me um this is 15 years later um because i thought in such a simple phrase in a prayer it captured the incredible comfort and hope of believing in the absolute sovereignty of god it doesn't take away the pain, yeah. but it does give us hope. Yeah. It gives us comfort. It gives us um, what we need in those times of need. And so I'm hopeful that that's what our listeners experience is in your belief in the, the sovereignty of God, that it doesn't take away the pain, but in the midst of it, you can hold on to the fatherly love of God and, and continue to have hope. Amen. You've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We'll see you next time. <laughs>